Hey guys, welcome to episode 9 of the Sell Your Service podcast. My name is Mike Killen. Uh, this week I am with Dan Shaw, who is not only an SEO specialist, but also a Mons associate. So we are amongst uh, internet royalty, so to speak. Funny enough, um, I actually used uh, Dan's how to SEO your WordPress site. I use it in my consultations um, with my customers at Talks. When it comes to SEO, Dan not only, this is what I really like about Dan, he not only obviously knows the very technical side of it, but he actually understands the relationship between what the customer wants and expects and the results they need and what his input can be. And that bit in the middle, that's kind of where he comes in and really explains it at a ground level. So he's got some tips not only on how to actually optimize your site and of course your customer's sites as well, but also how to bridge that gap between selling a horrible, technical, clunky search engine product to how can I deliver a return for my customers. Uh, if you haven't already downloaded your free marketing plan uh, designed specifically for digital creative professionals like yourself, go to sellyourservice.co.uk forward slash marketing hyphen plan. Make sure you download that. It goes through a lot of the kind of steps that Dan actually brings up. In the meantime, let's jump into it and sell your service. Very good. Today it is cloudy and getting a little warmer in the 60s, but it's New England, so it could be snowing tomorrow, it could be 80 degrees the next day. Exactly. More productive in the fall, winter, and, and spring. Yeah, absolutely. So I own Evolving SEO. We've been uh, in business officially since about 2010, although I've been doing SEO since maybe 2007. And it's just a small boutique SEO agency where we basically help clients grow their businesses through search traffic. And uh, as you mentioned, I'm also a Moz associate too. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm what's called a Moz associate. Uh, there's probably about, inclu including all the distilled employees, there's probably 40 to 50 of us, all remote. And uh, personally, I spend about a few hours a week uh, hopping in Moz's Q&A answering questions, uh, as well as every once in a while writing a blog post. So any associate can write straight to the main blog. We, we still have to go through the editorial process and everything, of course, but we don't have to like do UMOS and then hope it gets promoted. Yeah, I, that's a great question. I first and foremost try to go straight to the source and pretty much anything Google puts out there, I try to just absorb that right up, especially uh, John Mueller's Hangouts. I'll, I'll even, uh, I've got a little, uh, I've got like a clip for my phone. I put it on the dash of my car and I just put them on while I'm driving and that's that's some of the best times because they're like, they could be like an hour long and you might only get four or five really good things in each in each um, you know session, so it's a great way to kill time and and do it you know when I couldn't be doing anything else otherwise. But uh, aside from that, then uh, I so I read a lot. I everything that AJ Khan from Blind, Blind Five Year Old, everything he puts out, he's one of the best in my opinion. Uh, I, every single article I absolutely read that. Stuff Bill Slosky does, SEO by the Sea, because um, he's studying the patents very closely. And, and again, that's trying to get right to the source of, um, you know, what Google is doing and, and how it works, how it operates. So I try to try to stay close to that. And uh, yeah. 
there's some outliers that uh, like if you look at uh, Glenn Glenn Alsop and Viper Chill, he's certainly an outlier. But that's 99% of what he does every single day is study search results and tries to figure out how Google works. Uh, I think for the normal search marketer and especially for the norm the normal business, you're going to do just fine. Uh, you know, trying to give Google what it wants and Google's trying to give their users what users want. So it all should work together uh, anyways. Yeah, great question. With WordPress specifically, uh, I started using WordPress for my, my old company, which was Piano Lessons. I was teaching Piano Lessons. And before I used WordPress, I had hand just hand-coded websites with PHP and uh, HTML, CSS. And I had gotten a little bit of a system down and kind of a sort of a template, a starter template. Like if I wanted to make a new website, I just cut and paste, you know. But it's very time-consuming, and I mean, what you can do with that is you could. I mean, it's less than one percent than you can do with WordPress in five minutes now. I mean, the benefit of WordPress it's a CMS, and it's a CMS that most of the world uses. And there's so much support and plugins, and uh, you know, all the all the themes, and it, it just the benefits are are huge to using WordPress. So. Um, Specifically with my company, uh, I've changed themes three or four times now. And when I want to kind of, I mean, the, one of the first times I changed it, I wanted to upgrade to something responsive. And that maybe two years ago. And to do that in WordPress is so easy. You just look for a responsive theme and you install it and it works on a mobile device. And I think, I mean, that's such a huge benefit aside from all the CMS benefits uh, just to be mobile friendly with just by installing a new theme, you know. But I think the CMS benefits are huge too because obviously there's the blogging component, but uh, there on the few rare occasions I've had a guest blogger right on my site, uh, you just create a, an account for them. They log right in and they make their content and you review it and it, it just eliminates so much hassle that goes with not having a CMS. Yep. Absolutely. Exactly. So SEO is a great hook to get people, um, yeah, to get people interested in the services that I provide. And ultimately, anyone with a business or a website is trying to ultimately generate more leads or make more income or, I mean, that's the end goal for most websites. So SEO is just the vehicle to achieve that. And most of the time I focus on search traffic to do that. But nowadays with a lot of the things that are involved with doing SEO, you're going to get other benefits. You should be getting some other benefits as well. Referral traffic, um, social sharing, uh, hopefully, if you're paying attention to what happens when people land on your site, you're going to be trying to improve conversions or lead generation. It's all about the holistic system of how it functions. And one interesting thing I just read last week um, that your listeners might find fascinating is that uh, there was a, a group that studied click-through rates in the search results. And they, they did this through they, – they got like 50 users together, and they used heat maps. And so they could track where the people were looking and then also where people were clicking. 
They found that if a brand or a company or a website ranked for something organically, but also ran a PPC ad for the same keyword, so they had two results essentially on that on that SERP, they got a better organic click-through rate by running a PPC ad. Yeah, so it's this um, system that really works together. Like people would think, oh, by running PPC ads, I'm going to improve my search traffic. Yeah, you actually will. And they found that, yeah, they found that even had a greater impact, I believe, if I'm getting this right, on branded searches. So if you're Zappos and you search for Zappos and they've got a nice big ad with site maps and a coupon or whatever, and then their organic result down below, most people are still going to click on the organic result. But you're really strengthening that perception of your brand presence in the search result. Biggest challenge with SEO, with um, improving work for clients, you mean? Yeah, I'd say the biggest challenge for clients is nowadays, I mean, this is going to change every six months because, but nowadays, because SEO is a very, um, it's a process that touches every aspect of a business, customer service, social, email, PPC, like we just talked about, content, the uh, development of a website, it touches everything. So SEO prior to like 2011 was really this thing that you just went and did by yourself in, in a silo. And people are used to that. And especially if people are hiring a company to do a service for them, they want that company just to go off and do their thing and you know bring me my results. Go do your thing and bring me my results. Whereas SEO now is a much more involved process, so much like hiring a business consultant uh, where you're working with the company. Uh, and it's and in a lot of ways, it's like hiring somebody to train and educate the different departments within your company. So I'll give you an example. I had a client or I have a client that I'm working with that, you know, I requested a phone call with, with, the, with the person running the project and then the social media manager. And it was almost like this alien thought that I requested this phone call, like, why do you want to talk to us about social? I thought you were just off there doing your SEO thing. And that client, it's actually challenging to get them to buy into the idea that they need to work on growing their social audience so we can use that to amplify content that we're trying to create to get backlinks and traffic and stuff for SEO. Exactly. Yeah, I'll give you another example. There was somebody, I might write a post about this, but somebody had left a question in a LinkedIn forum and they were just, they, you know, you could tell they were somebody that had been through maybe a few SEO companies or had been sent those cold emails from SEO companies. And they just were trying to ask, tell me what you do when you do SEO, how long will it take, and what's my ROI, and how much will it cost? And um, part of, the, part of the, the challenge with SEO is a lot of people jumping in answering had no idea what they were talking about. You, you could tell they were the very reason why this guy is frustrated, and then he goes and asks the question, and then he's just getting answers from the same people that frustrated him to begin with. But... I was trying to think about what, how to answer this question because you want to be able to answer what people are asking in, in a helpful way. And I, I think what it comes down to is a misconception of the paradigm in which the question is being asked. And that is he wants – he's thinking of it like almost like buying advertising, like how much will it cost? What's my ROI? Black and white or buying PPC ads. It's much more black and white. I'm still working on this analogy in my mind, but I think SEO is a lot 
more like playing a sport. And what I mean by that is like when you hire an SEO, think of it like you're hiring somebody to coach a team. And the reason why I use this analogy is because you're going to, when you embark on SEO, your goal is to win. You know, your goal is to improve that person's business, hopefully, if you've got the right mindset. But just because that's your goal, and same thing in a sport, your goal is to win. It doesn't mean you're going to win. It doesn't mean you can predict how much you're going to win by. It doesn't mean you can predict how good the competition is. It doesn't mean you can tell you can say that all the teammates that you're coaching on the team will execute the way that you're asking them to execute. So when you're doing SEO for somebody, you're like a coach trying to get everybody in that company, in that team to execute. And you're competing against Google. You're competing against your competitors. And yeah, your goal is to win, but how long it will take, how much it will cost, and if you will win at all, that's what can be tricky. So I think when somebody is looking to hire an SEO, they want to go with somebody that has a good track record, that can show that they've put in effort for other clients previously, that they have had situations where they have won, quote unquote won, and that this is somebody that is going to put in the 110% effort. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. What do you? What I'm going to ask you. What do you think that everyone thinks is the biggest myth? Right. The focus on ranking is the end. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that's that's the biggest mistake in what people think SEO should be doing. I, well, I think there's many myths and there's many ways to look at myths, but certainly a myth of people looking to hire an SEO or to maybe do it for themselves is they're going to try to go after rankings. I will say in some very specific cases, if you have a niche website where the whole business model of this website, which is hopefully something you're doing on the side, it's not your main business, the whole tactic is to rank for this exact match or partial match keyword. And there's certainly situations where you might do that and where there's even people like Pat Flynn have these niche website duels where they actually tried to accomplish that. And that's one of the models of those sites. But for a real business, that should not be your main goal. And I think the biggest myth for people that embark on trying to do SEO whether that's for themselves or provide SEO as a service, is that they uh, look at it as something um, – they want to know what tag they can use to trick Google into doing – or they – like, for example, the canonical tag is a tag that was um, invented by the search engines collaboratively together to fulfill a certain problem. And that problem was you write a post, but you want to let somebody else publish that same post somewhere else. And this would be a cross-domain canonical. One there, so there's many situations. But in this particular one, the use of a canonical is to say, this person should get credit for this post that I'm posting here. So there's an actual reason to, to use that. But a lot of people want to turn the canonical into, how can I trick Google with this tag to give another page more authority than it should have, blah, 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 blah. And that's not the right approach. And that's the biggest mistake that I see people um, doing is that mistaken mindset.
It's very complicated because, uh, the, first of all, take the term SEO, search engine optimization. It's not even really what we do. A lot of people, when they first hear that term, we think we, they think we work in a search engine or for a search engine. So uh, the term itself, the fact that there's so much history and so much baggage to how people did SEO in the past and how it just changes so, so quickly – um, to the fact that there's, you can go find that information. Like if you went and looked for SEO advice on the web and came across a post from 2010, even by the most reputable white hat SEOs that are out there now, that stuff's not going to apply anymore. It's not going to be valid. Um, even people talking about how to get your author, author photos and search results six months ago is not even, so there's that whole layer of complexity where there's misinformation out there, not maliciously, but just because things keep changing. So it's one of these things where it's almost like a lawyer in that sense where the lawyer has to keep up with all the changes in the law, and there's no way a, a, a layman is going to do that. Oh, when when I'm supposed to just kind of sell my services or that's a great. It's funny because it does change as my business. Yeah, my, as my business evolves. Not to not to yeah, to dump dump. <laughs> um, but right now it would be we use SEO to help people grow their businesses. That that's as short as I can get with it. Right. Yeah. The interesting thing and another thing I've been thinking about lately is the typical way you start the how process of SEO is you do a site audit and you do keyword research and, you know, maybe like a strategy or maybe you uh, review the link, the past links and stuff like that. And I was thinking about this because no one really talks about dividing SEO into like there's a category of things that you know that you're you're going to find opportunity in. And there's a whole category of things that are possibilities. I know from doing probably over hundred, you know, hundreds of audits and keyword research projects at this point, I am always going to find opportunity technically in a website. I am always going to find keyword opportunities, whether it's keywords they've missed, pages they need to separate, pages they need to consolidate, whatever it is. So, the how is there are certain things that you're always going to find opportunity with, a site audit, keyword research. The second part of the how is you have to go seek the, where the opportunity lies. For some people, that could be content. For some people, it could be social. For some people, it could be site architecture. It depends a lot on the type of site, the type of business. But that, that is essentially is what we do. We do the known things, and then we look for opportunity with the, with the variables. <laughs> right. Yep. Great question. Many things. So when I was in when I, and maybe a lot of people can re relate to this. When I was in high school, I won – I mean, it was just a, in, a, in a creative writing class. It wasn't like a big thing. But I, I won, I'll never forget, Renaissance Man as an award. Because I, you know, I have always – so I started out as a musician. So I've always loved music. I've also experimented with art a little, writing, uh, sports even when I was in, you know, grade school, high school, um, 
So there's a lot of things I've wanted to be. I mean, probably for a few months, I wanted to be a weatherman. And then for a few months, I wanted to be a professional Frisbee thrower or whatever you would call it. I had, yeah, I had many, and even today I had many interests and and that's one of the challenges. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners can relate, you know, especially if they're running their own companies. That's one of the challenges now is trying to ignore all of the curiosities and uh, interests that come up that you might have. But that's also one of the nice things about business is you do have the opportunity to explore a lot of different things in the context of business. Exactly. It's that balance between right brain, left brain, analytical um, and and kind of being able to analyze something, but then also let your mind just dream about or invent. And one of my favorite and I just was listening to a podcast, too, and I realized that I do this, but it was a it was a cool podcast called um, Meet the Composer, I think. And this obviously doesn't have to do with web marketing or WordPress, but anybody interested in uh, the creative process might enjoy this podcast. And um, it was interesting. The composer on this episode talked about how he composes as he goes to sleep at night. And he realizes that, you know, as he's drifting away, if he kind of has the same creative insight and musical pattern come to him over and over and over and over again, eventually he realizes that it's something that needs to be formally written. And I think that for a lot of us, the creative process happens in those moments where we're kind of taking a walk or falling asleep or uh, driving in the car. Yeah. And these are these um, almost thoughts that you can, you can barely hold on to if that mean if that makes sense, like they, they, Right. 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 Yeah. And I think, I think, um, yeah, there is a myth that people that are creative are just kind of all out in the clouds and maybe some people are, I, I've certainly had musician friends that were like that, but I think there is a grounded analytical aspect to creative creativity as well. Yeah, that's a great question. So um, lately, pretty much working is all I've done, unless there's a you know a, a hard cutoff where you know my wife and I have a date, or you know we spend time together in the weekends, or you know you have to go to you have to go to sleep at some point. Um, but when I do actually take time off, music is certainly one thing one thing that I spend time on. Uh, there's not a whole lot else to be honest. I mean, I'll reluctantly do things around the house. You know, um, anyone out there that's a homeowner knows that, you know, that brings a lot of chores and responsibility. So I'll kind of fit that in when I have to. But really, it's all right now about, you know, the business, um, doing SEO and uh, maybe a little music when I get the time. Right. And there's. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, I love. Um, yeah, 80% of the time, an average day will be, um, try to get up at six. Normally it's more like seven and, uh, you know, do what I need to do in the morning, kind of get ready, try to get to the office as soon as possible. 
Uh, do most of my head down work until about lunchtime. Um, uh, and then, you know, maybe do some more head down work, some emails and try to do all client calls, appointments and things like that in the afternoon. It's really kind of, kind of boring. It sounds like from an outside perspective, but, um, you know, I've been trying to keep things as simple as possible, kind of like following a 37 signals mindset as much as possible. Um, where, you know, and, and also another, um, mindset is 80 20 uh that i love to to work off of and and that is I, I you know i've kind of gone through a cleansing process of clients in the last six months where um it sh- it shifted very nicely now to uh more cl- less clients but with a bigger budget rather than before it was lots of clients with a small budget each and so now my day is much more simplified which is nice um, so, and then, yeah, it's typically, you know, work as late as I can, um, three nights of the week I do, um, I, I have, a like some form of physical activity class, Pilates, self-defense. Um, so yeah, two Pilates, self-defense and, uh, you know, try to work as late as I can eat dinner with my wife, do some more work. It's really not very interesting. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I can I can give a good tip for your listeners, and I know many of them are web designers, so maybe they're kind of creative people, and I I'm a creative person. So my challenge is that I do I def I default towards no no scheduling no boundaries just doing everything moment by moment which quite honestly i operated that way more or less for about two and a half years three years and it really sucks because you think that oh you have this freedom and i can just choose to do what i want when i want it but it's it sucks because it doesn't help you be productive and if you don't plan your time you're going to get to your end of the day and realize that you didn't do what you wanted to do most or what might be fulfilling to you or what might matter most to your business goals. So a little thing that I've been doing that maybe some people might find helpful is I will schedule literally every second of my time, but only a day in advance or maybe, maybe two days in advance. So tonight is Monday. At the end of the day, I'll look at my schedule for tomorrow. I'll look at my client projects, and just fill in every block of time for tomorrow, even if it's shower, eat breakfast, um, you know, drive to this appointment. I'll fill in every block, and what I'll do, and this is something my mentor recommended, which is a great tip, make each block of time much longer than it really needs to be. So if I'm going to work on this client, particular client, I'm going to make a three-hour block for that. And just block everything off. So I won't schedule a call. I won't schedule a meeting. And I'll try to be working on that project at that time. If it, if it takes two hours instead of three, great. Then there's my free time. Now I've got an hour to you – know, and you, this will relax you so much because so, so many of us like go through our day like one thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. If we don't give ourselves time to just – really um we don't give ourselves permission to take our time to do something and uh especially with a lot of people will realize creative people will realize it takes can take two three four hours to really get into that creative mindset um and when you 
Yeah, and the paradox of this is I always have some kind of hard limit at the end of my day. So whether that's a self-defense class or a dinner time with my wife, because the, what I found with the opposite is if you give yourself too much time, then that's when you're going to procrastinate that time. So the time you give yourself has to be long enough so you can, you, can, you can relax, but short enough so you don't waste that time. So there's that, that balance and every, everyone's going to have a unique amount of time that's going to work for them. Right. Right. Yeah, I'll give another tip too for anybody that doesn't use Trello. I, I use that to basically keep organized. Keep I I keep all my client projects organized with Trello, and uh, also the things that I'm doing with my own business. But I use it in kind of a perhaps what might be an unconventional way. So what I have is I have a board. One one board is a list of all my ongoing clients, and what I do is. Um, I have seven slots or seven cards in that board because my goal is to have seven ongoing clients by July 1st because um, I'm shifting from a lot of project work to, to ongoing work. And so what I'm doing there is I only have four ongoing clients right now in the capacity that I would like, but I still have seven cards there because I – Every day I look at that and I know I want to fill those last three cards. That's just – I get so hungry for that. But also what I do is on the other four cards, I write the name of the client and the very next action or thing that I was going to do for them. So I don't have to open the card to look at that. I just know right on the card itself. And, and then I have a card for um, prospects that require an action a card for projects and a card for stuff that I'm doing with my own business. But everything has an action item right on that card. And I know that if each, if each block has starts to get filled up with too much stuff, then I've got too many clients or too many action items and I need to um, prune what's going on there. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. That's a great question. So I alluded a little bit. My big goal is now that I'm shifting towards all ongoing clients or mostly ongoing clients, my goal is July 1st, I would like seven ongoing clients at the kind of the full capacity um, services that I offer, you know, like the, the whole SEO thing. Um, that's that's goal number one. And then after that point, goal number two is once I've once I've hit that goal of seven clients, I would like to focus then on providing value and information for a large group of people that will never be my client, but they might find value in my blog posts or my videos or the tools I recommend or interacting with me on Twitter. Uh, I might even do a podcast of my own at that time, um, something that's been on my radar. So the website is an interesting question because I've, I've been, and maybe some of your listeners might have some tips for me, as I've been trying to... Yeah, I've been trying to battle with this idea of how do I communicate on my website that part of what I do or what my company does is we we offer SEO full SEO services for clients, but I also want to be providing services for this bigger audience, maybe like somebody that's a small business owner or a 
a web designer like your listeners that want to incorporate SEO in what they're doing or an entrepreneur that's starting a company on their on the side, um, this bigger audience, they're never going to hire me because they don't, you know, their business isn't at the, the scale that my clients are. So how to how to make that distinction and attract both audiences at the same time, I think is something I am going to be playing with on my website in, in the. Absolutely. And speaking of WordPress, do you have any plugins or themes or anything you could recommend or you, you know of that? Uh, what if somebody wants to start a forum, like let's say a Q&A forum on WordPress? <laughs> and I didn't mean to just... Um, Throw that question out there. Yes, that's, yeah, that, yeah. It was a rhetorical question, yeah. <laughs> Yes, and um, I also want to add. So right now, mainly my revenue is through client work, but I'm and I have a tiny bit of affiliate income. But I'm also looking to grow that rep. So really, it's about growing that revenue channel, which is affiliate. It really starts with affiliate because that's how you kind of get your your foot in the door. But then I really would like to move to maybe some of my own products or um, maybe just straight up advertising through whatever platform or community is developed. Uh, and you know maybe other educational things. I also really do enjoy um, training, speaking, presenting. Uh, when those opportunities have come up, and I'd like to just push for more of that as well. As you know, I kind of add on the other types of revenue. So um, the other interesting thing now, where my story is not quite known yet, um, is. Once that point comes July 1st, let's say I have those clients, I don't know if I really want to grow and say, okay, now let's get another seven clients. Let's start hiring people and growing the service end of that business. That's really not something I know if I want to do that yet. Um, so we'll see what happens. I agree. Uh, one, you know, one example I can give is I thought about hiring help. So I've, I've recently hired a contractor, not a full-time employee. I thought about hiring help last April. And at last April, if I had hired help, it would have been for all the wrong types of work, wrong clients, because the point is, is I waited until last month where I hired a contractor. Um, if I had hired in April, it would have been for completely the wrong situation. And I think there's value in trying to wait, 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 wait as long as you can 
um, until you're really hiring somebody for what's going to be your your offerings for a much longer period in time. <laughs> where they're going to host it um so I'm not going to say this works for everyone, but I am naturally a pretty good people person. So I think just through my desire to network and interact with people and meet new people, referrals have by, by far been the biggest um, source of new new clients. Although now I'm trying to be more proactive, so I'll probably add some other things into the mix. Yeah, I'll, gi I'll give you an example. I used to drive three ways, one way to New York City, which is three hours from here. Just for uh, like distilled, um, used to put on these meetups, you know, and they were only an hour, two hours long. But I would drive, I would leave here at like three, get there at seven or whatever, stay until nine and drive home and get home at midnight. But it's because the people that you meet in New York City and maybe that, you know, maybe there's a similar London or, you know, wherever the, the places are for you guys is uh, New York City. That's where you meet everybody is what I discovered. Um, no matter the event, SMX or if it's distilled New York or whatever it is. So I would make that effort to meet people um, face to face and actually got some of my earliest clients um, directly from getting the car, driving three hours and meeting people. Yeah, one thing I thought about lately too is, you know, we think of money as a currency, but I think trust and your relationship with people is the real currency because most of my um, latest clients have all come from referrals. So I think of the actual transaction, ha ha it happened way before the closing the deal, it happened way before somebody paid me. It happened when that referral source, when that relationship was built with that referral source. And um, that's how I'm thinking of all transactions now is people and money is kind of the result of that transaction. How do I stop competing them? So meaning uh, how do I how do I get clients without them just trying to go for the lowest deal they can get? Here's why. It's because they're selling the the actual service they do, not the result. Um yeah, they need you need to sell the result that your work is going to achieve for that client. And then you can you could charge 10 times what other people charge. Um, yeah, sell the result. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, and it, it, <laughs> the thing, the funny thing about this is, it's not because there's some value or belief. It's because I am simply lazy. <laughs> like I, I'm the, I'm the one that's like uh, asking my wife five minutes before I need to leave what I should wear for this business presentation or whatever. And, you know, I'm the one that's thinking of everything last minute. So if it, if it required planning ahead of time, I probably didn't do it, especially something like business cards where you got to, but I get a lot of reactions from people when I meet them in person. What? You don't have a business card? Are you kidding? You know, and it's just remember my name and Google it. You know, I'm, I take up the whole first page for my name, even there's some other people with my name. So that's a great question so i have to admit i actually don't do any goal tracking or conversion tracking for lead forms on my site so i have no idea how they actually convert and to be honest 99 percent of my clients aren't because they found my website and then contacted me. They are from a referral or they followed me on Twitter for six months. So I think the ones that do though, is they probably discover a piece of content of mine and um, then they see what I'm talking about in that content and then they contact me because of that. So I don't really have a magic wand for, you know, the best lead form or the best language, um, you know, to put on your landing page. Uh, I kind of operate more on, you know, let the referrals help with that and let the, let your actual, the meat of your content, the blog posts, the articles speak for that. Yeah. Uh, favorite project management tip. Hmm. So I like to use Google spreadsheets and I don't know if this is a tip, but the way that I manage So let's say I do an audit and then I pass it to the company. The developer really like most most SEOs that do an audit don't provide a project management system or tool. And I've I've flipped around where the main deliverable in my audits is the spreadsheet where I have probably eight columns or nine columns across the top. Every row is a specific action item. It's not something vague. It's like do specifically this. And then I prioritize it in one column. I'm, I have like a status column. It's not anything fancy, but there's a lot you can do with Google Spreadsheets. How do I keep them on track as far as like doing what they're supposed to do? Oh, right. So a, a lot of this I know from having been a teacher and you what you learn is why certain people are motivated or, or even better why they – what blocks people have from taking a certain action. And I try to figure out, I try to break something down to a really small step. So um, if it's like, Hey, write this page of content for me, I might just do a quick outline for them, or I might provide them the little thing, the little push they need to get them going. So instead of just doing a, a vague email, like, Hey, what about that page I asked you to create or that content I asked you to write? You actually send them something um, specific to work off of, or you ask, you have to break it down to a smaller piece. Like, Hey, can you send me the title of this page you were going to write? Or 
a lot of people struggle with finding images, so I'll help them find the images to use for their content. So I think you really have to, um, for most people, yeah, for most people, the block is going to be, it's a too big of a thing for them to do, and you need to break it down into something smaller. Or a lot of times they just want something to respond off of. So I might even totally, you know, putting myself out there, write a crappy paragraph about their service or whatever it is. And then they're going to get that and they're going to go, oh, man, this sucks. I need to fix it. So you got to give them something almost that's bad to just fix and improve upon. <laughs> uh, for when people refer clients to me? Uh, nope, no system. Just if people refer clients to me, then I'm very grateful for that. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of my biggest referral sources is other SEOs, and I think a lot of designers overlook that too. You need to network with other designers, especially ones that are popular or full. Like take um, – who's that? what's that guy's name? Patrick McKenzie? Yeah, he's very well known on the web. I don't know if he's a designer per se or a programmer or whatever he does, but network with people like that that you know are going to be so busy that they're going to have referrals and maybe somebody like him is hard to reach so then go to somebody a you know a couple level, levels lower than him and try to build a relationship so they can send you their referrals um in in any industry or uh, so web marketing or web design or that's a tough one. So I the way that I ha have like a unique selling proposition or whatever you want to call it is basically uh, me. I am the personal brand of my business. And I think when you look at a lot of strong businesses, whether it's Rand Fishkin from Moz, Will Reynolds from Sear Interactive, um, very often there's a person that you can connect in your mind with that brand. And so my services might be the same or different from other SEO companies, but my unique selling proposition is me. And um, I mean, we that could be a whole other podcast episode is your personal branding, but that, that'd be my answer. <laughs> it's very interesting so let's talk about wordpress and web design i've been thinking about this a lot lately too where you know you've got um this concept of a website but now there's concepts of things like apps and I'm very curious to see what the future of a website is, like just as a whole, um, because you have, you know, mobile devices everywhere. Um, apps are becoming a lot more ubiquitous. Um, a lot of, you know, Netflix has an app. So when you're on your phone, you don't go to Netflix's website, you go to their app. Um, so the future of WordPress, I think, is very much bound to the future of websites in general. I don't think they're going to go away, but I think we're going to probably see a lot uh, other forms of um, people being able to access tools or information uh, besides just websites. And certainly apps would be one of them and whatever, you know, whatever.
Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great point. I, I like the analogy. Nice. Any startup business should know about being online or... Oh, for SEO. Um, well, I, I, it would be a mindset in that, you know, install Yoast, the SEO plugin, but then realize that that plugin doesn't SEO your site. You still need to, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just going to do what you normally would have had a code on your own. So know that you actually need more than a plugin to do your SEO. But I think for a lot of startups, SEO, for good reason, is um, tends to be something that comes later for them. Whereas they're really focused on, um, you know, other channels, uh, developing their product, trying to work out their, you know, their business model, their revenue model. Um, I think for some startups, SEO will work if there's like an existing uh, search volume. So here's what I, this is what I recommend. Determine if what you're going to be providing has an existing search volume market in the web, because a lot of startups are starting a new product that's never existed before and they're working in, in a space where there is no search volume yet. So make that determination. If there is no search volume, what you absolutely need to do is make sure that you do things to protect your brand name as you know, in the future. So registering all your, all the social profiles, making sure that from day one that you're ranking for your brand name, especially if it's a, you know, a new word that's no one's come up with before, like Trello. Um, that that's definitely where I would begin. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you should go to a site called noem.com where uh k n o w e m.com it will check the availability of hundreds of social media um, yeah, platforms for your that you type in. It's very, very valuable. Um, so that's where you should protect your usernames. But for a brick and mortar business, you absolutely need to get yourself on Google Maps or you know, Google Business, whatever they're calling it these days. It keeps changing. Um, look at something like you know, the Moz, uh, which just came out today, the Moz Local Ranking Factors. And just make yourself familiar with the things that are important for ranking your local business. Uh, you can probably the, the hub of me on the internet is Twitter. So I'm at Dan underscore Shore, which is S-H-U-R-E. Uh, or you can just Google me, Dan Shore, S-H-U-R-E, like the microphone for anybody that's familiar with the microphone company. From there, you can find my website, evolvingseo.com. You can find Google+, LinkedIn, YouTube. Um, yeah, so definitely uh, definitely say hi. Ask questions on Twitter. I'm very interactive on Twitter. A lot of people are surprised by that. Where, you know, you try to ask somebody uh, a question and they never, they never reply to you. I try to re reply back to as many people as possible. Yep. Ooh, um, great question. So uh, focusing on WordPress. Mm, that's a good idea. Um, there. Yeah, so some people that are 
colleagues of mine. There's a guy named Kane Jameson, and his company is Content Harmony. He's very good with WordPress too. But um, you know, his agency focuses a lot on the content marketing aspects of SEO. Uh, there's also a designer local to me here, Jeff Lerman from Cold Spring Design. And he is just a wealth of design, business, and WordPress information. Uh, I don't know if he's the type to get on a microphone and do, a, do an interview, but you could try him. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. How was that? I mean, <laughs> Dan is uh, just this great guy, really charming, um, really, really knowledgeable. I've had an absolute blast kind of talking to him and corresponding with him uh, over the past few few weeks. We reached out to each other over, I think it was Twitter, uh, and then I found out he was a Moz associate, and then I found out that he wrote the article that I've been <laughs> pumping out to people and saying, you need to read this. Um, really 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 great stuff remember to download your free marketing plan from sellyourservice.co.uk forward slash marketing hyphen plan in the meantime i've been mike kieran and next week we are speaking to phil yarnell and i'm really excited about this one phil is the graphic designer for the jimmy hendrix estate so he does all of the new stuff he also uh is the graphic designer for the janice joplin estate he does acdc tons of really awesome epic graphic design work so if you want to learn how to run a graphic design agency and how to get kind of uh, awesome huge customers like that he's got a few tips in the meantime get out there and sell your service <laughs>